0: And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Going for Two, the official podcast of the Extra Points newsletter, which is now part of the D1 Ticker family. Uh, I am your host, the publisher of said newsletter, Matt Brown. And this is a very special episode because normally I'm joined via the magic of the Internet by Brian Fisher. And today, Brian, where are you? I am about, uh, oh, I would say a foot and a half away from you, my friend. This is wild. I, I didn't really realize this until yesterday. This is literally the first time I think we've ever actually met in person.
1: In in person, yeah. I think this is, uh, I guess, uh, podcasting in a post or semi-pandemic era. And uh, yeah, this is uh, great to not only get to see you, but uh, do this in person for the first time. I think it, hopefully we will get down the road to where this will be the, the first of many in-person podcasts. But uh, for right now, it will have to do as we're here in uh, fabulous Las
0: Vegas for the uh, SBJ and uh, intercollegiate Forum. Yeah, honestly, I feel like that's been one of the big takeaways from this experience so far for me is that you know this, this podcast and this newsletter and so much of what we've done over the last two years was launched in relative isolation. And so there's a lot of people, my, my, my colleagues here at D1 Ticker, a lot of the people that I cover and talk to for our work, and I know Brian's the same way, that I've never met. And some a couple of them I've never even seen before, and so we're, we're both here in Vegas for the, this big intercollegiate sports forum. We got a chance to hear from Mark Emmer. We've been talking to a bunch of ADs. We're shooting some video with conference leaders and athletic department leaders, and we'll share some of those videos in the show notes. Um, but I, I think the, the big point here is that this is a chance now at the football season's over to, for a lot of leaders in the space to come together. Maybe have an adult beverage or two uh, dress put dress up a little bit nice and try to hash through a couple of these major issues that everyone's trying to figure out right now.
1: Yeah, it's wild to think uh, just uh, seeing everybody in one place uh, for the first time in in really two years. I mean, you you look, you've got coaches here for the National Football Foundation dinner that uh, uh, was earlier this week. You have uh, ADs, you have uh, agents, you have uh, administrators across the board, commissioners are here. You mentioned Mark Emmert. Uh, We heard him speak uh, earlier on Wednesday, and he had a few interesting comments. I think that's that's for sure uh, that uh, we we will dive into. But uh, it has been fantastic to see everybody in person and uh, uh, that's, that's just such a big change right now. It, 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 it seems like we, we do have to note that because it's uh, it, it's different and yeah. uh, much better than uh, staring at them through the magic
0: of a Zoom computer screen. <laughs> I, I wonder if it's almost a little bit too on the nose, but this is all happening in a, in a giant casino. Because it, when you're when you're talking to a leader in this industry, so the, 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 one of the major conversations, the big elephant in the room, is like, well. This industry is changing an awful lot. There's a lot more money going into it. That money's going to uh, athletes on some level for the, the first above board time in a, in a while. It's going to head football coaches and a few other administrators at a, at a ridiculous, exponentially growing level here. We're all trying to figure out what to do with this money and how to how to find other revenue streams. And then right behind us, there's a bunch of slot machines and 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 just. Corporate branding everywhere. It's like capitalism on steroids. And like, I mean, for me, I, I've joked about this, but like if you've been in your basement for a while, to then go to the most like sensory overload place maybe in America outside of Times Square is is definitely an adjustment to have this juxtaposition where we're trying to talk about the the student athlete experience uh, is, is definitely something. And uh, the people watching is definitely something. I, I, when I, we I came in here on Tuesday, I think the rodeo was in town yep. or there was – in addition to the rodeo, some kind of like cattlemen's association convention. So you'd go down on the floor, and you would see a bunch of you know middle aged sports writers. You'd see a bunch of college uh, college administrators, and you'd see a lot of cowboy hats. And it'd be a fun game to play. Like, is that a rancher? Is that an associate athletic director at Texas A and M? Is that both? Is that a booster? I, I don't. I don't know. Like, it there was a there was a weird unexpected juxtaposition, I think, of a lot of different people, which is, I, I imagine what happens when you come to Vegas, you just, it all gets smushed together.
1: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned sensory overload. It, it, it's all senses, too. Uh, and, and yeah. After, casinos have a smell. Yes. Yes, they do. But, you know, I, I mean, it has been good to, to see everybody. And uh, I think it has been fascinating. You know, you mentioned that game. I, I will say, you know, to, to be fair, uh, you, you called out Texas A&M there. None of the A&M delegation that I saw were, were wearing any Cowboys hat. So I, I will at least put that out there for the Aggies fans uh, out there and, Dude, and just make a note of what, that. What which delegation did have cowboy hats? Because
0: you, you know the Texas people much better than I do.
1: I do. And, and I don't know if uh, anybody at uh, any of the Texas schools would, uh, would be bold enough to show up to something like this in a cowboy hat, but that doesn't mean I missed somebody or didn't see anybody. But uh, I would imagine just uh, knowing some of the leadership at, at a lot of those FBS schools in particular uh, in the state of Texas that uh, nobody actually showed up in, in a cowboy hat, but uh, you never know. It, it's Vegas. Some people might want to let loose a little bit uh, at the end of the night. And uh, they, they certainly have been able to uh, do a little <laughs> bit of that as, as we've uh, been able to relax a little bit after uh, some long days uh, here in Las Vegas. A, l-
0: a little bit. So, I mean, and, and that, that's why I wanted to talk to you about here because we're going to, I'm going to share some more notes from this experience on extra points later this week. And, and I, we're going to be sharing a lot of these videos. We don't have a ton of time right now, but I thought it might be useful for us to kind of just hop in and, and talk a little bit about the overarching themes that we've seen, what we've been hearing from talking to people, because th- this is a, a, one of those kind of conventions where you do have the actual programming that's happening in a conference room. But a lot of the other things are happening in the hallways. And that's part of why people come here, just so they can have a chance to talk to folks. And we've been in and out of some of those conversations, but we, we haven't we, we even, you know, us who are interested in a lot of these, these speak, the, the speakers haven't been in there because we need to talk to everybody else. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll start with this. You know, I think one reoccurring theme that I've heard from talking to multiple conference commissioners on this trip, a couple of ADs and people that work in this field, that one of the big challenges with many of these structural issues from constitutional conventions to conference realignment to big financial changes is that there's not a ton of trust between a lot of of these leaders. And some of that is because they're new. Some of that is because they were just actively trying to nuke or poach their own conference. Some of that is because there's wildly divergent uh, goals and needs. But I, I do think a lot of this requires some kind of collaborative nature here. And, and the, I don't think it's an accident that we've had a period of a lot of upheaval and a lot of breakdown and trust at a time when there's been a lot of turnover at every level in college sports and people haven't had a chance to break bread or have a beer with each other yet. And And without that kind of personal interaction maybe it's harder to have that level of trust that you need to, to really have honest conversations.
1: I think that's something towards it. I mean, honestly, I mean, you go to enough of these things and, uh, you know, the people have been coming here for, for a long, long time. And it, generally, it is pretty jovial. You know, it, it's good to, to you know, talk with your peers in the industry, talk with uh, others that you might want to meet. Uh, certainly from, for those that are kind of up and coming, you want to network and, yeah. uh, you know, and get, get involved with uh, a lot of folks. And so you can get your name out there. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, these are competitive people, you know, and and uh, I think that has definitely spilled off uh, a lot more from the field where where everybody definitely was used to be focused on, uh, you know, competing against each other to the boardroom and, and now hotel rooms and uh, now convention centers. And uh, I think that has been, you mentioned the, the collegiality of, of, you know, college conferences and whatnot. It, it definitely has changed. I, I do sense there is a changing tenor, you know, uh, across the entire industry. I think it's something everybody recognizes, everybody thinks is, is pretty palpable right now and, you know, maybe between some of the changes changes uh, that we're going to get from the NCA and uh, the college football playoff and, and whatnot. Maybe once we kind of get past those benchmarks, things will get a little bit better. But, uh, you know, there's there's just a lot of distrust right now uh, amongst a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I think that has, has spilled out publicly and it definitely is, is taking hold privately.
0: Yeah, I, I'm just going to put this out here uh, here at Extra Points. We are happy to share some of our skills in conflict mediation. Uh, prior to blogging about college athletics, of course, I taught fourth grade and I have two small children. So I do have experience in telling two people that they have to be in the same room and learn to like each other and apologize. Um, and and for for a, the price of of a single extra point subscription, I'm happy to get in there and tell a bunch of grown adults to stop acting like babies. Um, one of the many one of the many features that we offer here.
1: I, I think that is a terrific pitch to any future conference people uh, that that want to ho- host a conference and, and hire you or hire me is is that you can uh, you treat them treat ads whoever it might be with the the care that you treat two year
0: olds. That's right. That you, you know, everything you need to know you really did learn in kindergarten, right? That that wasn't it wasn't just a bit. Brian, you've had a chance to talk to a lot of other people that I haven't yet. I've been, we've been different, different places in this convention so far. What have been some of the other reoccurring themes that you've noticed since you've been here?
1: Well, I, I think just you know the unsettled uh, nature of, of everything that's going on. You, you have media rights, you know, right around the corner for a couple of conferences. Either yeah. they've you know just locked them up and and, and done new deals recently, or uh, you know they're looking ahead. You know, I think uh, that, that is a big topic, not just because of the dollars involved, uh, you know, I, but uh, in terms of how do you get in front of your fans and, and how do you make it easy to get in front of your fans. What are the dollars associated with that in terms of your athletic department budget? Uh, you know, I mean, you know, we've heard Mark Emmert talk about that. We've heard the con- Conference commissioners talk about that. We've heard athletic directors talk about you know, how, how important a lot of those dollars are just to kind of keep this this never-ending spinning cycle uh, going. And uh, I think that is something that everybody is certainly casting their eye ahead of with uh, the Big Ten coming up. You have uh, the Pac-12. Obviously, we're in, we're in Las Vegas. They just had their Pac-12 title game. They're going to be going to the table uh, with their new commissioner. So, uh, right. a lot of change in terms of the, the monetary aspect of, of uh, college football that is, is seeping into, I think, just the general athletics trends that uh, we've seen and we've talked about on this podcast.
0: Yeah. I mean, with with there, it really isn't just about money, particularly once you get below the power five level. It's it's about exposure and it's about how you build products around what what broadcasting looks like in a very different world. It's not a shock that I think a lot of these low majors are signing really pretty short-term deals because streaming even though I think it occupies a large amount of like real estate in in the conversation in this world, it's still a pretty small minority of like the raw number of people who watch these things. Like, I mean, like, I don't mean this as a disrespect to any of our low and mid major brethren, but like a good ESPN broadcast is getting like 4,000 people. And when you're putting something on Facebook or you're putting something on these other streaming devices, like the audience compared to what you're going to get even on ESPN Ocho on linear television is a, is a tiny chunk. And that maybe that's the, maybe that's true in twenty twenty six. Maybe it's not. Maybe maybe somebody else comes into this world. Maybe we have different kind of on demand. I you know it's it's a it's a tired joke. But like if we knew, we wouldn't tell you for free because that that's that's the that's the really expensive question. But then not really being able to project what your revenue situation is going to look like. But then even what that whole operation is going to be. Certainly that that that's going to keep some people up at night.
1: That and, and I think just the amount of money being pumped into the industry. I mean, we're coming off a a week where we we heard uh, some big money being thrown around at Miami in terms of luring Mario Cristobal and, and Dan, Dan Radikevich as as their AD uh, down to South Florida. Obviously, you t- there's a lot of talk about Brian Kelly's new deal, uh, rumors about what uh, what Jim Jim Jimbo Fisher was offered by LSU, uh, even even some scuttlebutt uh, about Lincoln Riley's new deal at USC. So I think just the the coaching contracts that are being handed out at uh, you know frankly in the, in the nine figure range is um, you know peaking everybody's eyebrow a little bit in terms of oh, wow, we, we didn't expect that to we to get to this place this soon. And you know, truthfully, it's it's something that's been in the works for a, for a long time. I think you know when when Mel Tucker you know kind of ha- had rumors and, and signed his ninety five million dollar deal. Everybody's like wow, like you know he, he's won sixteen games and he's he's worth ninety five million. And now the market is is paying even more than that uh, for others. Now certainly you know a little bit more accomplished if you're, you're talking about Brian Kelly or, or Lincoln Riley and whatnot. But uh, I think the the coaching contracts is is a big talking point, not just uh, among coaches who, who hope to get one of those, but yeah. uh, they're athletic directors that are uh, finally forced to, you know, kind of look at the market and say, I, I've got to come up with $20 million. Yeah. And,
0: and it's not just that, right? Like it's not only do is the going rates now for a high level P5 coach opening, whether you hire somebody that's like that accomplished or experienced or not, excuse me, that's 7 million plus. Right. And uh, that's not just an Ohio State or Alabama number like that might end up being a Syracuse ish kind of number in, in the near future. But then it's all the, all the other spending that comes with that. For for Lincoln Riley, it's not just no nine and a half, ten million dollars a deal a year. It's now I have to also double the assistant salary pool. There's going to be a facilities component, which at USC, I, people I think sometimes forget this. Like those aren't the nicest facilities compared to maybe a, a I was you know a couple of, of other places. Miami has great ones, but it, the, the schools with the best facilities are not necessarily the ones that you might necessarily be, be be thinking of. So all of that compounds, and then it resets the market for everybody else because like. Do you think Ryan Day's agent, you know, has, has, has sent a few text messages after he's seeing here that Mel Tucker's making more money? Do you think Nick Saban's going to end up with a different deal of other people who have not uh, accomplished nearly this much here in that stratosphere? That blows everything up. And then if you're like in the Big West or this, like the Ohio Valley, you're just like, what are we even doing here? Um, it, it, it's even more clear that you're just not playing the same sport.
1: Well I think that that in particular that note about not playing the same sport has been brought up to me a couple times by by people you know you, you look at from whether it's assistance poaching and, and just not being able to match those offers even if you're a power five school you can't really compete sometimes with yeah. the Ohio states and the SEC's programs of the world that want to invest that money in their football program uh, you know you, you do try to be financially prudent I think everybody does you know and, and tries to be uh, but at the end of the day if it takes an extra million or two in order to land that coach that uh, you know is going to win the press conference that you know is going to, uh, you know, win the headlines and and truthfully help you out on the field, uh, you're probably going to end up doing it because there's going to be a booster or a donor that is going to write that check for you. And so I think that changing calculus for, for a lot of 80s in particular, um, you know, is something that is going to be something to track, not just this week and with all this news fresh, but I think going forward in terms of what the market is dictating and, and how, uh, you know, schools are, are going to kind of come to grips with that, uh, not just at, at the power five level, but, but on down, because uh, at this point it might Make sense for for some coaches to go be an analyst at a power five school because uh, they could end up making more. You, know, you might not be on the field uh, like you would at uh, say a smaller FCS program, but uh, when you're not having to struggle to, to pay rent or, or do those things because that money's just not there at, at certain levels of football, uh, you know I, I think it, it, it's changing the nature of uh, you know pathways to these careers, and uh, that's something the, the entire industry is,
0: is coming to grips with you, you see this a little bit I think at the lower end especially with college football, but also on some level with college basketball and a lot with Olympic sports, where an assistant coach will realize that I will have a better quality of life and sometimes a significantly better salary at the high school level or potentially the club or outside of this of, of this system level. If you are a high school coach in Georgia at a good, but maybe not elite, but a, a good program, you're going to probably work fewer hours and make more money than you would be as a running backs coach in the Sun Belt. Uh, and then that's true here for a couple of other states and you're you're right now that that may be trickling up it's not unheard of for a head coach of like a Mac school to become an offensive coordinator or become a, you know, an, an assistant uh, for a power five school. We just, we see this every cycle. Oh, just like. at
1: LSU, Frank it's Wilson finished. being paid quite a bit to resign from McNeese state from to go to LSU. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. Like at the FCS level, that that's not uncommon at all. We didn't, we just saw with, with Maine. I think it's not no. happened like twice in a row. You, you move up there and we're not at the point where I think you're going to see somebody leave like Rutgers to go be a position coach unless they're about to be fired. But, but that day could potentially happen. And it speaks to the this other I think more existential question that I've heard a couple of people verbalize and i, I you know we'll talk about this I think more later this week um and it's it's this question of fundamentally what do we want to be in do we want are we in the entertainment business or are we in the education business and when, you know Mark Emmert was asked about this um, during his talk today and he said well, it's both and I think he correctly pointed out hey, what was the first uh, you know, intercollegiate sporting event. Like you know, extra points. Readers might know this, but you know, this was it was a rowing event between two Ivy League schools in the state where neither neither school was, but from like a railroad company that was trying to promote his line and his hotel holdings, and it was pretty explicitly a, a commercial enterprise that nobody actually got paid for. Uh, and I think it's you know it's correct to kind of draw that line all through the 1920s as it's tried to be both, but we're, we're at a point now where. It's really not sustainable to continue at the operation where, where we are. And I, I, I believe it is accurate to say that self-governance is probably not going, not probably, isn't capable of slowing down that spending acceleration, particularly at the power five level. It would have to be some kind of external force. But when I talk to people, I, I mostly talk to folks at the mid and the low major level. It's like, well, you know, we're capable of optimizing our experience for either of those things, but we need to agree on exactly what that what that is. Uh, Because we're not going to make 110 billion billion here at UTRGV basketball uh, for something. And you kind of hope that maybe you get a little bit better about about some foundational answers to that question through this constitutional convention process. But there's a whole lot of incentives to just kind of keep muddling along, even though I think almost to a man or woman – they don't really feel good about it. And it's not just that things have become more expensive. They've become more complicated. Uh, it's harder to, to really draw a line and say this is something that actually benefits the athlete experience. And maybe this is me just being too nice or not cynical enough. But I honest to God think that most people, when they get into this industry as, as, a, as a school employee, do it because they, they care about being around college athletes. And they care about building relationships with them and they care about them having better experiences. Now, when you get to be the, the athletic director at Ohio State or a conference commissioner or some other level and you have other things, you know, I, I you might tell yourself something, but you're not really working with athletes as much anymore and your world's different. But that's how you start. and. I, 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 you know, may, maybe this is too Pollyannish or, or or trite or whatever, but like, you really do kind of have to make some big decisions about what you really want to be at this point. Whether that's a fully professional league that license out IP, whether that's a league or a sport that really seeks some very strong changes from Congress to to limit some of these spending changes, whether that's creating a Division Four. I don't know, but I don't think the center can, for whatever it is that we're calling this right now, I don't think the center is going to hold. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I
1: think that is the the big topic. Uh, You know, obviously there's an NCAA convention going on in January. We'll have- Potentially, college football playoff expansion news, which uh, uh, is going to be a big thing for the sport in terms of just who is is getting what in terms of money, if that ends up happening uh, in January. But I, I think the the future of the NCAA definitely is going to be much more deregulated. You hear that uh, quite a bit now. Is, is the NCAA kind of stepping back from from their authority and delegating more things to the schools and the conference? And yep. you know, a lot of people in and the conferences and schools are like, well, what does that mean? Like, so are, are we? You know, and uh, I think what does that mean is 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 the question that's being asked a lot. Um, you know, they, they truthfully don't know the answer of, of what, uh, things might look like. Come August of next year, um, you know, I think there's there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, that the NCA just released a, a second edition or, or an updated draft of that NCA Constitution, and truthfully, that's just you know kind of the, the first step. Uh, I know Mark Emmert, uh labeled it as scaffolding for, for what they're about to do, and uh, the the big work that, that is ahead is at the Division One level in terms of um, you know, not, not only reforming a lot of their rules and, and their bylaws and what happens with enforcement, um, but even everything else. You know, and and I think it's it's a, a period of unease because. Because if there's one thing, whether it's the business world, whether it's college athletics, being able to know what what is ahead and, and have some certainty of the future uh, is a big thing, and and that is is just not there in, right now. And so I think that's uh, you know led to a lot of uh, you know nervousness, you know, not knowing what what the, what the future is like. And uh, you know, there's there's some that uh, might have a better idea than, than others of of what is coming down the pipe. But uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're, until it gets here, um, <laughs> everybody is is scrambling a little bit. But you know, you mentioned you know the athlete experience too earlier i think that's that's the other thing that i think everybody you know wants to kind of keep in mind is that uh you know it's a new era for the athletes themselves right now uh, i mean you know there's a ton a ton let me emphasize a ton of nil companies uh that have sprouted up in the last six months that have, are and they are all here and they're all here yes absolutely and and i mean you know rightfully so this, these these type of events you usually have those type of companies uh, pop up and, and and try to showcase their what they're kind of selling to ad's uh, i and, think
0: there's more vendors here over there especially on like this day in the in the conference and by tomorrow it'll be almost exclusively vendors yeah. <laughs> all the athletic directors are off now going to other sporting events but Unquestionably a huge part of this event, but
1: you know, I, I think nil. You know, after really the initial shock to the system, you know, it's like what what, it, what is happening, and then everybody kind of kind of understood and, and got their their legs on you know underneath them, and now now it's uh, kind of new deals and and new changes to the system that uh, maybe everybody was uh, uh, you know not expecting. I mean, I heard a lot of skepticism surrounding uh, some of the bigger group nil deals. Um, you know, the, I know the the Miami one in particular has come up a few times with folks that I've talked about. Uh, there's there's one at Texas. Now, uh, even even the more I think more positive influences at uh, uh, in terms of those group licensing deals at like uh, you know BYU, uh, which we've talked about on this show, mm-hmm. um, you know there's just you know kind of intrigue in terms of how are those deals being done, how how are they you know applying to the regulations that uh, the NCA set forth, how are they applying to state regulations, and and truthfully that's just another unknown that's out there is um, you know what happens if either your state legislature or uh, the Congress itself starts to get involved and in, heavily involved in nil again, um, that's that's up in the air. I don't think we'll see anything, certainly out of Washington, D.C., uh, based on everything I've heard. But uh, I, would, I would anticipate uh, there's still going to be talks. There's still going to be committee hearings in front of the Senate and House. And uh, that uh, can always make a, a few folks like uh, Mark Emmert nervous when they uh, get called to Washington.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, and I, I will uh, be a little bit more forceful here, I think, based on, on what I've been hearing and honestly, what was even shared over the podium today. There's not going to be name, image, and likeness anything no. the rest of this year. There's not gonna be much, much of anything at all this year. And quite frankly, I think if a federal bill does not happen by like February of next year, I don't think it's happening because by the time you start getting into late spring, we're heading, it's a midterm election and nobody wants to take a vote on anything. You're not, you're not gonna be able to get people around. And the concern that I've heard is on, on that front, the many of the people on the House side that are most invested in this and have taken a leadership role in kind of shepherding it, shepherding it are not going to be in the next Congress. Either they decided they're not running, or they're going to get gerrymandered out of their seat, or just gerrymandered or gerrymandered.
1: I think it's gerrymandered. They're, they're, they're going to
0: lose their redistricted out of yeah, their seat. Yeah, there you go. I have a political science degree. I know how to. I know these words. Sure. Um, and, and, and you need somebody else to, to really kind of take up the the emotional <laughs> energy to not just take a vote on it, but push it. In the Senate, there's, there's a little bit more of that. And I think there really is something to the idea that the ridiculousness of the athletic spending headlines over the last week may galvanize some senators who agreed in principle that they wanted to be involved in this, but weren't ready to actually like be inv- involved, given that other priorities are happening. It just has to happen very, very quickly.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, I would be shocked if there's a bill ever. You know, I mean, I just think that's just the kind of the fractured nature of the system right now. And I, I have a healthy dose of skepticism. You, you mentioned uh, just having the midterms coming up. You know, you never know what the political mood and, and what the two parties want to do as much as everybody's talking about. Yeah, we would love to do this uh, cross political issue. Uh, we have just seen no action, really, in terms of actual movement on things. And uh, if they don't end up pushing something through by, like you said, February, I, I have a healthy dose of skepticism that anything is, is Going to be done, and, and
0: it, it might not. And 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 not to get too explicitly political, even though this is a, a audio and, and a newsletter that, that does that sometimes. A lot of what we're talking about about this uncertainty about the future, lack of interdisciplinary trust between between actors here, major transformational forces ha- happening all at once, that is a college athletics story. And some of these changes are unique to college athletics. But it's also an American society story. That's an institutional story. Now you're depending on Congress on some level, which is orders of magnitude more dysfunctional than anything in college sports. I don't feel like that's especially partisan to say. As much as you know, the athletic directors at Oklahoma and Iowa State are probably not like going to be best friends right now. You know, there, there hasn't been a college sports January sixth. I can't think of many institutions, whether that's political, civic, educational, financial, that are not experiencing this level of uncertainty on on a number of different things. So as much as we want to get in the weeds about this being a college sports thing, I, it's hard for me to think of too many other facets in in American life or American business where you don't have some of that same unease right now. Well, very, I, very cool. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Right? I mean,
1: I, you know, it's funny because, you know, Mark Emmer on stage uh, on, on Wednesday, I mean, he, he he kind of flubbed the line. And, and I think he, he obviously said it and, and probably didn't think about it holistically. But there, there is some truth behind uh, him saying that college presidents have have one of the tougher jobs. Now, he yeah. said the he, toughest. He said
0: the toughest job in America. Now, we, and we will all, definitely disagree on that one. Yeah, we uh, your your tweets are are good and correct and um, for all of the things that Mark Emmert is good at this setting knowing how his how his words will be interpreted by the masses is not one of those things
1: but so, I, I think there is some truth to it's, it's a difficult job
0: right now because it's, it's you, gotten much harder it, you know I mean I, it, I agree with that
1: and, yeah. and it's not just because these college presidents you know because they kind of moonlight Covering athletics, you know these, these are doctors, these are these are you know lawyers, these are biochemists, and they you know these are people that have been in academia for for a long time, and a lot of them do not have athletics experience, and now they're being tasked with kind of shepherding this this transformative era in college athletics, and a lot of them are out of their depth. Uh, a lot of them will say that, a lot of them will lean on people that maybe they shouldn't be, but uh, yeah. I, I think that that is a big thing that on their plate right now that is occupying a lot of their time on top of all the things that are going on in higher ed, which is an industry right now now that is also going through massive amounts of changes. I mean, we, like you said, not to get too political, but, you know, there's been talk about things like, uh, you know, free free community college for people. That that has a huge impact on terms of, uh, you know, where your students might come from in, at a lot of these colleges that are studying these things. Online education has been a big thing uh, in terms of actually getting people in, in those classroom seats. Uh, you know, that is a, a thing that uh, higher ed is facing right now. So uh, it's just a changing, changing industry for a lot of people coming out of this post-pandemic world and it just is accelerated and it seems like there there's gasoline poured on this fire in the athletic sphere. And that's what everybody is, is trying to deal with right now.
0: Yeah, I, I think we can we can honestly kind of get you all out of here on, on on this I would I would encourage all of our listeners, whether you are in the industry, whether you're a reporter, whether you're a fan, when you're thinking about what your favorite team or your favorite school athletic department is is going to be doing here. And this is this is something I'm going to write more about we've talked about a lot, I think this week is Trying to, to think about who are the stakeholders involved, what do they want, and how has that changed, um, and, and and apply that kind of thinking here, right? So when we're talking about what a football program is going to do, for you know, talking more to our fans here, it, we have to we have to consider not just okay, wh- what's best for future recruits, what's best for the immediate financial performance of this program, what's best for the four or five boosters who give outrageous amounts of money and wield disproportionate influence, what's best for the confer- conference office, maybe the governor or local political figures and how that intersects there and how all of those things shape. And then you have to think about how good is my athletic director or my university president or my other leaders good at navigating those different interests. And we can think of, I think, a couple of programs like now, not just about football, whether that's Texas, whether that's Washington, whether that's Louisville, where people are decision makers are really struggling balancing all of those issues. I think that's a major reason why some schools with a lot of financial resources have struggled athletically recently. And then you can navigate that right up the chain here uh, for university presidents. So to kind of piggyback here off off what Brian's saying, beyond everything else that's on fire in athletics, you have not just potential federal changes and community college payment and access, and not just uh, disruptive technology here with, with education. At the state level, I mean, you also have who's, where am I getting my money? Yeah. Because if you're a state school, higher ed funding may be one of the only things your state house can actually cut funding for because everything else might be protected in your state constitution. Where am I going to get my students? Because I'm facing a demographic time bomb right now and everybody is trying to recruit internationally. That's more competitive. That's more expensive. And depending on who's the president in four years may become much harder politically. And then what's my relationship like with my other stakeholders? If you are a, I again, sorry to, you know, this is just the truth. If you're a lawmaker in Idaho and you're a conservative or in a couple other states, there is a it is in your political best interest to run against the concept of higher education. You're going to go drag people in for hearings about critical race theory or about free speech on campus, and you're going to go try to make it seem like your local state institution is, is one gigantic Oberlin graduate seminar. And every bit of, of time that your president and your legal team and your administration has to address that gets sucked away from not just athletics but the rest of your school and those and some of those people um, are, are big are big donors. And so for state institutions who now the the, the the Java University president, I think this is what Emmer was really trying to get a hold of here, even independent athletics is much more political, explicitly partisan political than it might have been um, maybe 20 years ago. And so all of this framework impacts, what the constitution convention is going to look like, what happens with your athletic department. It, it changes who, who you're recruiting. It changes how that money is spent. And so like, the, 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 that's the, 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 I think the question we have to ask ourselves whenever we see a decision, right? Is who, who else is pushing them in that decision? How well is that person kind of navigating those, those couple of interests here, whether that's political or financial or cultural, the, the stuff's so much messier now. That,
1: that is a huge part of the calculus. And, and I would, you know, truthfully say it, it's been interesting too walking around here, talking with folks uh, to see who's who's energized by taking on those challenges. You know, there is there are a select few that kind of love to kind of get their hands dirty and, and get into the nitty gritty on some of these details, because not only is it what they have been kind of tasked to for for their entire lives now uh, as, as administrators, but, uh, you know, they, they truly do revel in in what this future of this industry can be. And then there's there's also the others that you can just tell have had the bags under their eyes and uh, are, are tired and. and Definitely need a break, and that's not what they signed up for. That, yeah, this is not. And then, I mean, that is the other thing that I think is kind of the undercurrent to this is just there's there's a lot of people leaving the industry right yep. now. There's a lot of new faces that have come in, certainly, but uh, you know, there's there's a lot of folks that uh, you're used to seeing at these events that are no longer there. Whether that's through an early retirement, whether that's through uh, you know they're taking consulting gigs, or uh, really just exiting for a different part of life altogether. You know, I think that's that's something that uh, has been talked about, maybe a little bit more hushed tones uh, and, and and a little bit smaller circles. But uh, I, I do think that's uh, an overarching theme for a lot of these administrators is just how am I dealing with everything that is going on and, and how do I truthfully prevent a little bit of burnout? Uh, because I think that's a, that's an industry pressing issue that uh, is, is affecting everybody from the athletes themselves all the way up to their, their coaches, uh, administrators, and all the way up to the president's levels that are dealing with all this. Yeah,
0: it's very explicitly about the athletes themselves in this case. It's not an accident that Everyone you talk to wants to talk about mental health support and everything. It isn't just because of COVID, and it isn't just because being an athlete is a really hard job. I, I say job deliberately here, but everyone's burning out. I'm burning out, right? Like, and 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 that's that's that that's how it is. Um, we're going to dig into a couple of these kind of questions and more explicitly on extra points later this week. Um, be sure to. Check the show notes there. You can find it at extrapointsmb.com. You can find it on our sister publication, D1 Ticker, which you should also subscribe to because it's free. It's been an invaluable resource. I use that to build extra points. I use that to, Brian uses that to help build out some of the video and audio work here that he does. We're also going to share some of the videos that we have been doing here. Um, Listen, I I I put on a sports jacket and a tie for like three consecutive days, and so I'm going to make sure that everybody you know sees all of the (laughs) the the immense labor that that came with that because I'm used to just being in 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 home field and uh, and gym shorts this whole time. So um, it's 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 great to do this in person. It's great to talk to everybody here in person. We're going to be sharing a lot more of what we've been learning in the future. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll, we'll, We'll catch up with you next week.